Welcome, everybody. This is The Majors Live on TheMajors.net. This is webisode number 67. It is day 2,231 in the search for Tim Shovelday. We had a packed house tonight here with Nicholas, Tip, and myself, and plus, of course, the host of the show, the man who lets his co-hosts get away with more murder than Casey Anthony, <laughs> Adam Hernandez. <laughs> Too soon? Man, you're on a roll. <laughs> Well, it's not like she died or anything. She only got away with murder, whatever. Anyways, well, welcome to uh, welcome to the Majors Live episode sixty-eight, right here on the Majors.net. Sixty-seven, isn't it? No, I forgot to change over the. Uh, oh, I was wrong. Okay, sixty-eight. Did you, did you, did you, I said sixty-seven. Yeah, I, I accidentally. I for, I just realized that now. I forgot to change the uh, the header there on the uh, on the rundown. So, anyways, yeah, it says the wrong date too. 628-2011. Anyways, welcome everybody. Majors Live. Episode 68 on the Majors.net, Grady.com, 734-259-4941. We have a new text number, 734-273-9982. So uh, call in. Call in. We can talk about uh, scenario rundown. You want to talk about something else? Anything, uh, Anything in the sports world? You're perfectly welcome. Major Woody's Girl of the Week, Rosie Jones. Make sure you go ahead and check her out. Um, we'll be getting Squirrel's opinion of her here, I'm sure, pretty soon. Um, fan question this week. Squirrel, all over it with the case the Anthony trial ending today. Speaking of those high-profile cases, where were you when the OJ verdict went down? We'll be talking about that a little bit later. We do have a, uh, we do have a new... F- yeah, somewhat format here to the majors live. Um, instead of going right into the round table, we will be starting out with something called the rapid fire round table. Basically, how this works: we'll be going through pretty much the 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 big topics of the day. We may throw in a few uh, a few topics from uh, you know a few days ago, and then we're gonna go off and we're gonna talk about these topics for two minutes. Once two minutes is up. We move on to the next topic, and uh, if one of us says something that is um, good, something that makes sense, something that's not totally stupid, you get a nice little uh, you get a nice little chime there. If you say something dumb, you get the buzzer, and then when the topic is over, you'll hear the longer buzzer. Anyways, um, like I said, two minutes each topic. After that, we'll go into our regular roundtable segment after our first commercial break. Um, other than that, you guys ready to get started here? Oh, yeah. yeah All sure. right, here we go. It's like a game show. Anyways, um, first topic is the Cardinals activated Albert Pujols today, one month early from when he was originally supposed to be uh, deactivated. He had a broken left wrist. I just want to know, you guys, is this... Uh, is this smart of St. Louis to be doing? I don't. I mean, broken wrist one month early. He's their star player. What do you guys think? I don't think it's smart by St. Louis. I don't think St. Louis had anything to do with it. This is a free agent guy, one of the big free agent prizes of the year. He wants to play ball. He wants as much money as he can get. I think it's a big mistake. I totally agree with you. Go ahead, Nicholas. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that's like I obviously it's a, if. Somebody thinks they can play, you know, I mean, and if he plays good, whatever. But it just, why would you take this risk? I mean, this is like, 
Because if he injures it again, he's probably out for the season. This is just a... I don't understand. I think it's such a stupid move. I don't understand. You know, especially when your all-star break's coming up. No, it, sit till then. Exactly. Yeah. It makes no sense, especially this week. Yeah. It's, next week, you could maybe even come to a conclusion that, well, it's the end of the week. It's, you know, I don't know. I just... I think it's like a desperation move. I think it makes him look like a uh, like a fool, honestly. No, like Tip says, it's the inmates running the asylum. Yeah, and it's 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 something that you know he's a star player. You can you can probably I mean this is one of the weird things too. If it if he wasn't a star player, he would probably be sitting on the bench. But like what you said, Tip. I mean he is a free agent. Um, he's him and his agent are pretty much telling the Cardinals that I'm I'm done. I'm coming. I'm I'm playing. I don't care what you guys say. I'm a free agent. I need to show that. You know, I'm still worthy of that $300 million contract that I was going after uh, prior to when this season started, which is uh, which is still totally ridiculous. And this is a good reason why it's totally ridiculous, because any time, at any time, somebody can get hurt and have a season-ending injury or even career-ending injury. So Yeah, no, chances are this, I mean, chances are he will get hurt again, sooner rather than later. So, I mean, it's... I'd like to see where he goes. Uh, next one is we've got Tiger. Tiger Woods announced today that he is going to be uh, sitting out the British Open, citing more problems with his knee and his Achilles. Um, this is, uh, again, another major tournament that Tiger is missing. I don't, are we ever going to see Tiger play to you know, the tiger of old where he's out there. I mean, because now there's some serious questions on whether or not he's going to break Jack Nicholson's record of, or I'm sorry, not Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholas's record. Yeah, he broke Jack. He might yeah. break Jack Nicholson's as he goes into acting. Of 18 major tournament wins. I mean, what are your guys' thoughts on Tiger Woods not playing in the British Open this Why year? Why doesn't he just announce that he's not playing anymore this year? That would end everything unless he's doing it just because he wants as much press as possible but why doesn't he just come out now and just say i'm i'm done for the year guys it's it, golf isn't like every other sport we still have 20 more years of tiger woods playing good <laughs> golf so i don't know why he just doesn't say i'm done for this year guys i'm just, I, I couldn't agree more I, he needs, I, I i thought he should have taken last year off but he's got to take the year off i think he'd be smart mentally physically all the above um and I don't think and I, it does. Can he still break Nicholas's record? Absolutely, absolutely. Where is he at? Do do we know where Tiger's 14. at? Is he at fourteen? Yeah, I mean, he's how old is he now? He's like 35, 35. I mean, Yeah, come so on. I mean, it's I don't know, guys. Like golf, great Jack Nicholson said. <laughs> oh. All golf and all talk and no golf makes Tiger a dull boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, I don't. I could see, kind of see this as the, as you know, the Albert Pujols situation, where you know, just rest, you know, take the entire year off. There's no sense in you know just trying to play through the injury and try to decide, you know, d- tournament by tournament. Just take the rest of the year off, like you said, Tip. You know, he's he's still feeling the effects, I think, from all the personal problems oh, that he had. Without question. So. Mm. Other than that, um, sad note today, Sean Maddy, 22-year-old walk-on running back, was uh, was found dead in a lake in Indiana. He is a walk-on running back for Purdue, and um, 
He was reported missing a few days ago. They ended up finding him floating in this lake. Obviously, you know, passed away. Nobody knows what exactly happened here, if it was foul play or if he was just drunk. Um, I don't know. Did you guys end up hearing about this at all? No, this is the first I've heard about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's really a... Really, kind of a just kind of it. It is a sad story, and it just you know it leads you to uh, to wonder if. I guess I'm kind of surprised stuff like this hasn't happened more often, especially in you know on 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 some of these teams like Purdue, which is still a relatively big time program. Um, you know, players party a lot. They're college kids. Is, is that what they're saying that he was drinking? Or is nobody, this just nobody, nobody really knows. Nobody really knows. But he was. He was last seen at a party, and then he decided to go swimming in this lake. Uh, so, I, you know, the autopsy, the medical examiner, none of that has been released yet. It's kind of like that Ryan Dunn thing where, you know, he was out drinking the night before, and he ended up dead, you know, the next morning. Uh, you know, you kind of add two and two together there, partying, drinking, swimming in a lake, or driving a car. I don't know. It's uh, To me, I'm going to go ahead and say that it prob- alcohol probably had something to do with that alcohol or drugs, um, especially since they saw him swimming in this lake. I'm going to go with no speculation on these things because he might have just went swimming that night and died, drowned. Just drowned? Just drowned, sure. Happens. Yeah, I... Yeah. Personally, I don't care. Just like the Ryan Dunn thing, I didn't care then either. He's dead. Yeah, <laughs> I really, I, no, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. I don't... I don't... I actually... I don't understand why they do... Uh, all these autopsies to find out what someone was doing when, you know, and until the day comes along when one of those autopsies can bring that person back to life, I just, I don't really see what the purpose is. I don't know if you guys heard this today, but the Roger Clemens trial, they started selecting the jury. It seems like we're going to start getting uh, pretty, pretty deep into the whole Roger Clemens ordeal, the trial. It's going to be a pretty big trial going on. Um, Right now, they're they're trying to decide on whether or not they want to uh, bring some of his ex-Yankees teammates to the stand. They're trying to figure out whether or not uh, this is a blackmail case by his former trainer. I believe it was Brian McNamee. Judge, right now, they say the judge is going to rule that they cannot allow any other Yankee players. How do you feel about that, Ted? You know, we I, we're all learning a lot of things about what happens in trials. I I, I can't spec. The only way thing I can do is speculate in this. I don't have a problem with that ruling. Um, so because there must be a reason for it for the judge to make that ruling, and I don't have all the facts and why he wouldn't allow the Yankee players to testify. But to me, there must be something there that there he he feels isn't pertinent or isn't legal. Is this going to be good for Roger Clemens? I mean, could is, could Roger Clemens actually win in this trial? I mean, they Of course could, he could. Absolutely. Yeah. If it becomes a he said, she said thing, absolutely. If all it is win. is, uh, yeah, if it's just people's, uh, if it's all hearsay. It's just like Barry accounts, Bonds. Then, yeah, no, it kind of is. I mean, that's what happens with Barry Bonds. They finally got it down to he said, she said, and that always raises doubt. And once you have doubt, as we've learned today, that's all you need. That's all you need. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it just seems like his, uh, you know, his reputation just took such a, oh, you God, know, yeah. such a, you know, a hit. And, 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 As it should have. And, absolutely, and it seemed like the only thing he... What he should have done is do what Andy Pettit did. Just come out and say, yes, I did take it. I, you know, I took it. You know, I, I was dealing with an injury, and that's the only time. Even if that wasn't the only time, it still could have helped him somewhat. Thing Just going on there and saying, no. I didn't take it at all, you know. I do have to say, do they time these really popular trials out, the Casey Anthony trial ends today, and then Roger Clemens starts jury selection? Do, are they timing these out for media <laughs> coverage purposes? Like, um, I, I swear possible. to God they are, because that's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, well, this is, this is going to wrap up today. We'll have a couple more uh, leftover days, and then... Uh, well, it's reality TV. No, exactly. The, 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 the voir dire will take a good <clears throat> week and a half for Clemens. So. Um, big trade in the NHL the other day. The San Jose Sharks traded Danny Heatley to the uh, Minnesota Wild in, ex- in exchange for Martin Havlett. Heatley had three years remaining on a deal that will count as $7.5 million a year under the salary cap. Havlett has four years left remaining on his current contract with an annual cap hit of $5 million. Um, I guess this is the first step that we're going to see in the San Jose Sharks finally starting to clean house, finally starting to uh, just try to make over their team. Um, I don't know if this is going to be enough. I'm not so much sold on Martin Havlat. Um, I know that we've got some, this already got some negative feedback from some of our fans on Facebook. Um, Nick says, unless the Sharks are going to do something extremely impressive with that extra $2.5 million, this is an awful deal. I tend to agree with him a little bit. Um, I don't know if Danny Heatley is quite the, quite the player on that team that I would have gotten rid of. Maybe uh, maybe the old captain there? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I, honestly, Thornton. I don't see why they would keep Thornton around. The way he played in the playoffs this year was pathetic, honestly. And to have... Maybe get rid of strip him of the captain or something. I mean, that his his uh, his uh, leadership qualities during the playoffs this year were so poor. It was to me. It was like I, honestly, I'm surprised. I just assumed they would have dumped him by now or done something. But they, I I, I don't see them winning ever with him at the head of that team. My my take on this trade is you're you're talking about two good players who I believe both need a new home. And I think it'll probably help them both. And I, I think it's pretty even, Steven trade. I don't know. I'm, I think Havlick, to me, is a better player. I mean, Martin Havlick just got a new home. I mean, it's not like he's been in Minnesota forever. I mean, he, he's but only been the, there for a but year But they're not so. winning. And they, they're mean, getting a guy in Heatley. I think Heatley's a proven player. They're not – I saw I give the edge to the Sharks in this deal, quite frankly. So. Uh. L.A. Stadium developers are giving a new pitch to uh, the city to try to bring an NFL team there with a new stadium. I don't know about you guys, though. We talked about it last week on how piss poor a Los Ange- the Los Angeles area really is, just how bad they are to, of a sports town. Um, are we ever going to quit hearing about L.A. finally getting an NFL team? or get, I don't want to say finally getting an NFL team because, quite frankly, I'm tired of hearing about it. And it seems like there's other options out there that are far more better than giving L.A. 
another shot of having a professional football franchise. It's all TV market. Yeah, we won't stop hearing about it until they actually get a t- team again. I mean, I heard the new pitch involved them saying, how about we just put another team in San Francisco and call them LA? <laughs> so then people actually go to the game. Or we'll put in Anaheim and actually. <laughs> yes. and we'll, 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 we'll give you the Los Angeles name. We'll put Anaheim at the end of the name. Yep. And, uh, you know. L.A. will be first. You'll be. We'll make sure to mention you first, and then that'll be that'll be it. It's yeah. just such a huge TV market. They're not going to give up on it. You guys didn't didn't you hear the pitch? I mean, don't you get it? It's because the stadium wasn't good enough before. That's why nobody went to the games in L.A. Oh, now yeah. with these new stadium guys, it's going to be awesome. And that's the only reason anyone goes. Yeah, oh, sporting yeah. is the stadium. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, that, no, totally. Once I get the new stadium in there. It, LA's can they're gonna rock. Maybe with climate change, it starts getting colder there. <laughs> be able to sell football tickets. I mean, that's always the that's why the Wings can never sell out a game is because their stadium's so shitty. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know what? I never, I never really bought the whole stadium thing. The stadium is the reason why. Uh, Hell you know, no. I mean, it's it, it, that's it's just it's it seems like it's such a cop out for uh, you know ownership trying to make something work, trying to put a. A round peg in a you know in a square hole or what you know however it is you want to word that but uh, LA's a shitty they, sports they, town. They, they are exactly guys. they already had two chances at doing it trying to make it work and they didn't make it work so anyways uh, HBO is ready to air a documentary uh, highlighting Derek Jeter's chase for three thousand hits. Um, Whatever he's a Yankee, he's gonna. He's probably one of the, you know, most well-known Yankees in the history in the franchise's history. With that said, though, I want to know: Can you guys name any documentaries of, or or any other sports subject documentaries that you would like to see? Of current players, you mean anything or? really? You're meaning documentaries that aren't out right now? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's a tough <laughs> one, dude. I mean, Jeter would definitely be one of them. I mean, honestly, I mean, he's he's the Mickey Mantle for this generation's Yankees fans. I mean, mm-hmm. he really is. There's no doubt about that. So. And HBO always hits a home run on these documentaries. They do. They, no, they do. No pun intended. Yeah. I, you know, I one of the, some of the best ones I think have been when they focus on a team. You know mm-hmm. that uh, that Michigan one from the. Oh, the Michigan Ohio State. One. Oh, that the, one. The oh, Fab yeah. Five one that was so good. I'd love to see a few other teams showcased like that. You know, um, whether it was professional teams or college teams, I think that'd be pretty cool. I you, did, they just had one on last month: the uh, Fire and Ice Mac and Roll board. Oh, that's yeah, unbelievable. With that, I mean, you're talking about college football squirrel. Yeah. I mean, I, I know a good one coming up. It could even be an ESPN Thirty for Thirty, the Ohio State thing with Jim Tressel. I can see that being uh, being huge, and maybe that's how Ohio State maybe makes some of their uh, some of their money back that they may lose from these NCAA sanctions that are going to probably be coming their way. Is you know you're selling asking, the story to uh, to HBO or I'd like to say HBO do something on hockey once I think sure because they, they always do such an outstanding job. I'd like to see a Gretzky or Howe or or you know something like that. You want on the old Edmonton Oilers. Uh, yeah, right. Or Edmonton Oilers, cool. Canadians, the Red Wings, uh, you know, I think uh, I think you know if NHL had any sense they would actually push the idea a little to get them some press. I think one on Mark Messier honestly would be kind of interesting. I, I think that'd be great. That's how big of a douchebag he is. I think one on Steve Eisenman. Whatever. Would be <laughs> 
Um, the Winnipeg Jets. Eh, how does that sound? Winnipeg Jets. Sounds better than the Atlanta Thrashers. I totally agree. Signs their captain, Andrew Ladd, to a five-year extension. Extension, I mean, whatever. Um, I want to know from you guys, is Atlanta still has that kind of that lack of star power on their team. I want to know if this is okay in a Canadian city that really was starving for hockey after the Winnipeg Jets left back in 96. I mean, can a, can a franchise, uh, NHL franchise, survive in a Canadian city without that marquee player? For, for, yeah, I mean, honestly, well, it depends. Right now, Winnipeg's going to survive if they go 0-82 next year. I mean, Winnipeg's going to be, this going to be huge there. It depends on if they're good. And most stars, as everyone knows, stars are made as in the stars become stars. You don't, I mean, so who knows? There might be some kid in the their farm system right now that three years from now is going to be top five in the league. So it, it all depends on if they're, if they're a good team. It doesn't matter if they have a huge star. I mean, that's, I guess that's what I mean stars are made. A star comes out. If a, star, if a team's good, someone becomes that star. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think they totally can. I mean. Oh, I couldn't agree more. They're, they can absolutely survive in Canada with, without, mark, quote, marquee players. And you can definitely win. Um Especially now in Canada, the, you know their economy is is doing really, really well. It didn't go through the downturn that everyone else in the world pretty much, and uh, their teams make money now. Uh, the tax system's a little different, and that was always a big problem before. It really wasn't the marquee player as much; it was these teams just couldn't make any money. Yeah, it's going to be. I, I it's going to be interesting seeing um, you know how the Winnipeg Jets, what kind of adjustments they may make to uh, you know. That once again having an NHL franchise, are they going to do anything different? Um, you know what? You know how is uh, and it's not really this season, but how is the city going to react um, a couple years from now? Especially if the team isn't good a few years from now, five, ten years from now, um, they'll still they'll still have support. I mean, well, really I think well. signing Andrew Ladd sends a message to the team and to the city that they're serious about make, keeping their players and. Having a captain, which is very important, uh, you know, it's a good message. Whether he's a great player or not. Uh, our final topic for the rapid round f- roundtable segment here is um, former North Carolina football player, defensive end Michael McAdoo, is seeking unspecified damages from the school and the NCAA, which the lawsuit accuses of gross negligence in ruling him ineligible based on inaccurate information. Um, This stems from uh, a complaint where the NCAA ruled McAdoo ineligible for receiving improper assistance from tutor Jennifer Wiley on multiple assignments across several academic terms. But McAdoo's lawyers argue that the school's honor honor court found him guilty of only one infraction, representing another's work as his own after Wiley had format, formatted in-text citations and the work cited page for websites used to prepare his research paper. Um, so he's getting busted for plagiarism. Yeah. And okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> to, to, to make a long <laughs> sentence short there, it was plagiarism. Exactly. And... If he it's, did it, then it's bullshit. He should be expelled. It, yeah, exactly. It seems It seems like most schools... I know, Lickless, you and I went to the same college. It's, it's, 
and it seems like it's pretty across the board that if you that they have the right to expel you from the university. Oh yeah. If you are found, you know, plagiarizing your wor- or somebody else's work. It's the steroids of. Uh, academia, basically. I mean, it's no. They actually care about it. In the <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but I, you know what I mean. It, it, no, I it can you kill mean. you. I mean, you're done. I had this caught. little problem though. Anyone who's willing to sue the NCAA, I'm kind of hoping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just pulling for him just a little. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, no, I mean, there's, if if he did do it, then I don't even see how he has merits behind it. Really, <laughs> I mean, I ran into this a couple times in college, not myself, but other sure. teachers coming out in the class and saying, "Look." One of you turned in a paper that wasn't your paper. You know who you are. And I talked to the teachers afterwards, and she told me who it was, you know, and everything, just because I, I knew her and everything. But uh, it was one of those things. She's just like, I. she gave her the ultimatum. She said, you're you're getting uh, incomplete on this. I'm not going to expel you. Which, that's you which is like, wow, that's actually big. Thank she, you so much. Oh, yeah, that's where you go. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am, or thank you, sir, because... They can expel you right on oh, the spot. Oh, sure, absolutely. You have nothing to say about it. No, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, this player is incredibly lucky, and that he's well. I don't know if he's incredibly lucky. He's, I don't. It seems like he's only uh, getting kicked off the football team. I didn't see anything in here about him being expelled from the university. But yeah. I mean, if that's the case, then I would take the you know being kicked off the football team to in order to stay at the university. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with a scholarship or anything like that. I can only assume it's, that's getting taken away too. Um, or what's going to happen if he could end up uh, transferring from the school. But, you know, it, it, I'm with you, Tip, in a sense, though, that if he's suing the NCAA, then you kind of have to cheer for him a little tiny bit, don't you? I do. Oh, for sure. If he's guilty, I hope they both go down. <laughs> that would be optimal. That would be perfect. Anyways, we're going to take our first commercial break. This is The Majors Live on the Majors.net, and we'll be right back. was a boy wizard whose name was Larry Smarter. Larry, why weren't you in Professor Dicky Doodle's mythical creature classification class? Well, I'm taking Algebra 2 in a foreign language. Oh, so you can talk to unicorns? Uh, exactly. Unless they're French. Larry wanted to go to college, so he visited knowhowtogo.org to find the classes he really needed. Getting into college doesn't happen magically. Learn more at knowhowtogo.org. Brought to you by the American Council on Education, Lumina Foundation for Education, and the Ad Council. My sport is football, but my passion is education. My name is Namdi Asmoa, and this is how I live united. I see too many kids miss out on moving up. Kids who could go on to college, but just need that extra little push. So every year, I take promising high school students on a college tour. 
We check out the dorms, the library, meet some professors, find out where the best late night grub stops are. It shows them that there's a whole world beyond their own. But what's even better is that most of these kids decide college is for them. I'm Namdi Asmoa. I show kids that a higher education means a brighter future. So when it comes to Living United, I don't just wear the shirt. I live it. Join me. It takes all of us working together to make a difference. Find out how you can live united for education. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. I'm Sarah. I'm Ellen. One night, I was at a bar. One night, I was at a bar. I had one too many drinks. I had one too many drinks. I got behind the wheel. I got a cab. A squirrel ran across the road. A squirrel ran across the road. I swerved. The cab swerved. I hit a guy. The cabbie just missed a guy. I wish I took a cab. Thank goodness took a cab. You have the choice to save a life. Buzzed driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the Department of Transportation and the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody, to The Majors Live on the Majors.net. 734 259 4941 is the number to call in, or you can text in at 734 273 9982. We've got our fan question up. It's uh, given the. Uh, with the case, well, with the Casey Anthony trial ending today, where were you when the when OJ Simpson's not guilty verdict was uh, was handed down? And we'll we'll talk a little bit about that later on. Um, Major Woody's girl of the week, Rosie Jones. Go ahead and check her out on the website. Um, and your bitches and badasses, like always, get those in as well. Uh, other than that, we're gonna go ahead and get into our regular roundtable segment here, uh, which I forgot to. Uh, what did you forget? I forgot to. Um, we forgot to mention what the ra- rapid roundtable segment was brought we to you did. by. What is that brought to you by, Squirrel? It's brought to you by the new Persistent Productions movie, Bonus Life Extended Play. You can uh, check out some uh, trailers to this upcoming movie on our Facebook pages, and uh, it's gonna be really cool. It's uh, gonna you're gonna eventually see some familiar faces in there, like myself and Nicholas. And uh, it is brought to you. That movie will be produced by the same people that produced Detroit Grady Radio, Persistent Productions. All right. So uh, be sure to check that out. Awesome. And uh, the roundtable segment is brought to you by Element X Studios, Metro Detroit, graphic design professionals. Make sure you check them out, elementxstudios.net, for all your graphic design needs. Uh, Ligolas, Wimbledon, over with. Yep. Uh, we had the men's final this past Sunday, women's final this past Saturday. Um, I hesitate to say that it was a uh, that it was an upset on both fronts there, um, given that uh, Djokovic he beat Nadal what the previous five meetings head to head meetings. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, I think four. Now it's five. Ever. Now it's five. Um, First ever in a Grand Slam. Yeah, not, which, he beat him nine major events. Yeah. Which is different. I mean, non-major events is two out of three. Majors is three out of five. So it is a big difference. But he no doubt beat him on Saturday, beat him on Sunday morning. So yeah, the final the final line in the six four six one one six six three in that final. Um, pretty dominant. Yeah, he was. Honestly. He was. And prior to this, he was pretty much guaranteed the number one. He already was ranking. guaranteed um, number one. For anybody out there that isn't familiar with tennis, Ligolas, 
why was he guaranteed the number one ranking prior to this final match with Nadal? The way the rankings work, and it's, it is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but the reason he was guaranteed it was because Nadal won Wimbledon last year. And if you win a tournament the year prior, if you win that tournament again, you don't get any points. It's only a losing venture for you. So the best you can do is stay even. So going into that match, even if Djokovic lost it, he still got a ton of points for making the finals. And Nadal, Nadal would get zero points. So no matter what, he had more points than him. So, What does this do to the landscape of, of men's tennis here? I mean, because it seemed like going into, the, going into this year's Wimbledon, I mean, we talked about it on the show before, just, you know, how dominant Rafael Nadal was. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna say he's he's still, still pretty is. dominant. Oh yeah, yeah. He is. Um, he is. <laughs> but how does this how does this change the makeup of the men's field here going um, forward? It, it, you know, it's been it's been uh, either Nadal or Federer switching back one and two, but it's been Nadal one for a while now. Uh, Djokovic three. Djokovic has been number three for four years now, and Murray's been number four for a couple years now. The only thing it really changes, they're still the top four. The only thing it really does change is that instead of uh, Federer playing Djokovic in the semifinals and Murray playing Nadal now, there's a good chance that Federer and Nadal will play in the semifinals of it, <laughs> which will be a different, which will totally be different. So, I mean, it doesn't, it honestly, it doesn't really change it that much. It's, it's more precedent just because Federer, no one's been number one other than Federer and Nadal since 04. So, I mean, it's seven years where it was, and Federer was number one for, uh, you know, five and a half of those years. So it's it's really, it's more precedent than anything else. It's not really going to change that too much. And Novak had a big year, and I'm not taking anything away from him, but we'll see how he handles the pressure now, if he can maintain a number one status. I don't know if he can or not. I still think Nadal and Federer are going to be around for a little bit. Oh, no doubt. I mean, Nadal is only one year older than Djokovic. I mean, Djokovic is 24 and Nadal is 25. Uh, so. And I think Federer might have a little oh, he, say next year. I, I really do. I think he's not done yet. No, and that's the one thing about Federer is amazing. I mean, he's 30 years. He's, he'll be 30 this month, actually. Uh, and he still goes out there. He's won, you know, more major titles than anyone. And he still looks like he wants it more than anybody, which is like, I don't know how you can have that kind of drive. I really don't. And that'll be the big thing to see if Djokovic can uh, hold on to that drive. Is I mean, and he's had he's forty seven and one this year, which is ridiculous. Oh that, sure, that record. He's had the best, one of the best, probably the best year of tennis I've ever seen, just straight through. I mean, he's just playing, and he played perfectly against Nadal. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if he has that drive. I mean, he really wanted to win Wimbledon. Like, I mean, that was his main thing is he wanted to win Wimbledon. So we'll see if he's up to it. I mean, it's. It, it's not easy. So, with uh, with a field like that around him, and the men's field is strong. I mean, there's the lower tier guys are real tough too. So, um, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, there's no doubt that he's. You can now call him a great player, but um, I don't know. I guess we'll just see. What about on the women's side of things? We saw. Um, you got to help me out with the name. Petra Maria Sharapova. Maria, I know that no, one. I know. Maria Petra Kvitova. Petra Kvitova beat Maria. Sharapova, 6364, capturing her first Grand Slam title in her career, and actually the first women's lefty Since to win. Navratilova. Uh, yeah, Navratilova since 1990, yeah. Um, what are your impressions of this uh, of this match? Again, I, I guess 
you would have to say that Sharapova was probably the the oh, favor yeah. going into this one. Um, it was more of an upset than the men's one. Yes, given way, given her experience and you know at the ma- at these majors uh, has has Sharapova ever won Wimbledon before? That was her first when she was seventeen years old. She beat Serena Williams. That was kind of her coming out party, and it was that that was an upset. I mean, <laughs> her making it to the finals an upset when she beat Serena it was like holy shit. But I can return her serve though. That's the problem. Well, and that. <laughs> It, that, and that's why this isn't that big of a shock because it, as good as a, <laughs> as good as Maria Sharapova and she's playing she is playing really good right now. I mean she's first time she's played uh, borderline great since she came. Uh, you know, in the three years she hasn't played very well um, since her surgery. But she basically, if she has to play twice as good as her serve is bad and. She did all tournament. I mean, semifinals, she double-faulted 13 times and still managed to win in straight sets. So, basically, Saturday, she couldn't get over it. She just served poor, and her everything else about her game was not good enough to overcome that. And if she can't overcome that, she can't win. And that's why sometimes she gets out in second rounds of majors, because anyone could beat her if her serve is just that bad. And it was, it was pretty bad on Saturday. It was one of those matches within the first four games it was like yeah this is this is kind of over with she just doesn't have it today so she's definitely better looking than uh Kvitova, yeah yeah wow that's uh i don't think she's she's not like a marismo or anything like that squirrel i'm not saying right, she's right there i'm just comparing her to others no she's not she's not attractive not at all no i'm sorry she actually kind of looks like a squirrel well, now that she's won Wimbledon, she can get her teeth fixed. Yeah. Oh yeah, she does have bad <laughs> teeth in there. They're kind of grayish, and she's ugh. not. She's not. She's not a looker. But um, not compared to Sharapova, no, that's an unfair comparison. <laughs> um, but, hey, I hear you guys commenting on the men about this. What about the way they look? You want me to? I think they're ugly too. It's fine. <laughs> no way. Actually, I think they're really good looking. Uh, Actually, no. That Nadal. Let's probably say Nadal's the better looking guy of the two. Yeah, no, Nadal's. Djokovic is a goofy looking son of a bitch. Yeah, he is, is kind of goofy looking. Whenever you see those guys with their shirts off, dude, they got some killer abs. <laughs> so. But Kvitova is. It's nice to see because it's she played dominant and it's good. She's young. She's twenty one and uh, she's still been around for a couple of years, and this is her first majors final. And for her to win like that is it's it's a little people compare it to Sharapova just because she played Sharapova, I think, because it was at Wimbledon. But it is cool. I mean, it's it's nice to have a new face in there. Uh, obviously, with Venus and Serena, you know, making it not out of the fourth round, that it did open the field up considerably. So it's cool to have someone out there uh, that just didn't back down and played great. Pretty much the entire tournament, which well, is nice. It's, it's definitely more wide open with, uh, oh, yeah. you know, than the men's field. It seems like with, uh, you know, Nadal being. How many major tournaments did Nadal win he's prior to Wimbledon? Was it, he's won ten in a row. That's the first yeah, time he's lost so. in a major final since '06. What do we? What's the next uh, major tournament? U.S. Uh, Open. U.S. Uh, Open. End of August. Uh, so the U.S. Open series starts. I think it actually starts next week, which is pretty much just across uh, North America. Uh, hardcore series, which Nadal luckily is, thankfully, is taking the time off because that was what he looked dog tired that whole match. He just, it's first time ever in my life I've ever seen Nadal look like he didn't know how to break out of his. He slump. looked exhausted. He just looked beat from the second the match started, which totally sucked. 
The the one shout not shout out what uh, Sabine uh, Lazicki who Maria Sharapova beat in the semifinals. Uh, she's a wild card. She's only the second wild card ever to make it to the semifinals at Wimbledon, um, and she's basically an unknown and ripped through the field. I mean, not with she beat Marion Batoli, you know, French Open uh, runner up, and it's like this is. It's cool to see uh, a couple of these young faces. I wish a couple of them were American, but um, maybe maybe later. But it's nice to see some of these new faces come up here because, uh, it's the, you know, it's it's time. <laughs> Especially on the women's side. They need some strong players. They really do. I mean, women's side is is uh, is pretty weak, uh, name-wise, name recognition. There's just not a much staying power going on right now. So It's a very it's, cyclical sport. It though. is very, very it, Ten years ago, men's was kind of blah, and women's was amazing, and now it's the opposite, where men's is just really strong. But um, it was overall, it was a it was a decent Wimbledon. It was kind of odd, you know. It's a, see Federer losing to Sanga. Federer losing his first ever five setter after <laughs> winning the first two uh, sets, which was a total bummer. I was incredibly disappointed at that. But Sanga played a, a hell of a tournament. I mean. He basically just showed if he can stay in phys- top physical shape, kind of like Djokovic. If he can stay in physical shape, it, he's incredibly difficult to you know compete against because he just you can't get a ball past him. Same with Djokovic, and that's unfortunately for Songa. Djokovic is playing similar game, just he's better right now. Well, on the men's side, since Nadal's not going to be at the U.S. Open, no, um, he hasn't. He'll, he's not going to be playing the U.S. Open series. Okay, so no, he'll be at the, he'll US be at the U.S. Open. Okay, um, he's taking some, some time off. He's just it's a long series. It's like a six-week hardcourt series. They he, he's he, they said he's going to take four to six weeks off. Which he needs. He needs he's, rust. He's just you can see it. He's played more tennis. He's more matches than anyone in the in in tennis this year, which is odd for a number one seed. They don't need to play those small tournaments, but he's literally played every tournament, which is odd. All right, and the U.S. Open starts at the end of August. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like the th- end of the third week of August or whatever. I think it's fourth week. August goes into ends Labor Day weekend. Usually. All right. Well, the other big story coming out this past week would it's something we all saw coming, and that's the NBA locking, well, the owners locking the players out. This happened this past, uh, what was it, on June thirtieth. So. What day was June thirtieth? Was it last Thursday or last, last Friday? Last Thursday. Last Thursday. Um, and they actually stopped negotiating well before the uh, the midnight deadline. Um, I believe they cut negotiations off at around um, I want to say three o'clock Thursday afternoon on June thirtieth. Um, basically, you guys, this is going to get ugly. This is going to get really, really ugly. Ugly. Um, and this comes from our website, themajors.net, written back on Thursday, um, where they were talking about, according to several so- sources at the time, both sides remained very far apart on all important issues, including a potential pay cut for the players in upwards of 33%. Um, and um, they also go on to say that, and this comes from um, also ESPN.com, where they were talking that... Um, Players currently receive a guaranteed 50% of the $3.6 billion in ba- basketball-related income, um, which is $4.2 billion in gross revenues, minus the $6 million credit for operating expenses, which accounted for $2.17 billion in salaries and benefits um, for the 2010-11 season. Uh, 
basically what the owners want is they want that that player's share wiped out. Not well, not totally wiped out, but they want a good, a huge piece of that pie. And basically, it's kind of like what we're seeing with the NFL lockout here, where you know the owners want more pieces of the pie, and um, they just want the players to come out taking uh, taking a smaller portion of the of the. Um, of the uh, net worth, the net worth exactly. So, I don't know. I I have a feeling this is going to get really, really ugly. This is the the last time that games were lost in the NBA due to a lockout was back in '98 when the NBA was regulated down to 50 games. Um, I don't know. I I really I I could definitely see this affecting games next season. I could I could potentially see this wiping out the entire NBA season next year because when you're talking about when you're talking about having players possibly take at least a 33% pay cut um, I don't know if you guys look at your own salaries or your own paychecks but I mean, can you imagine taking 33% or 40% or 40 taking off taken out of that that would be pretty easy in my case <laughs> I would just quit my job. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's. I mean, and I think this is. And you mentioned that, Nicholas, and that's. And that's something that may happen here. I mean, we may begin to see more players jump from the NBA to other leagues in Europe. I mean, it's. Well, if you're a young guy, I would. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Especially, I mean, and we saw it with the NHL. We saw the KHL. Um, tried, yeah. Kinda... F- Form during when the NHL or right after the NHL was uh, was in their lockout, and actually the KHL formed out of the old Russian Super yeah. League. But they saw an opportunity. They saw an opportunity. They started dishing out huge, huge contracts to these players, and they attracted a good number of players from the NHL, like a Yamir Yager who's back now. But Yamir Yager spent three seasons playing in the KHL, and we saw a bunch of other players jump from the NHL to uh, the KHL. And I think this is the same thing we might see here, uh, especially if this is a lengthy lockout and if the owners come out on top in this because... Well, the owners will definitely come out on top. Oh, absolutely, because the owners, I mean, the players are going to run out of money first. They're the, one, they're the ones that are going to end up blinking in all of this first, and they're the ones, if it, if it goes further than expected with these players then they're the ones that are going to have to go back sit down and basically give in to uh, most of the demands of the owners well i don't even think it'll come down to blinking i think the bottom the, the reason this is worse than the nfl to me is that the, the owners are not going to budge period yeah, yeah i don't they're not they're they'll, they'll lose the season and that's you know they're they know they have to make changes there's too many franchises in trouble in the nba things got have gotten way out of hand uh, the money isn't there like the NFL. The NFL's, you know, it, that's why the NFL will settle because there's just too much money involved. But now the NBA has to make changes, and you know, the, in my opinion, all the owners can be quite assholes. But it's funny because in the NFL, I actually agree with the players. In this one, it's to me, sports are different. The, the the owners have to get a little bit more control back in NBA, in my opinion. But, now, especially what happened this past season. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, they got high ratings, and, you know, for certain franchises, attendance was pretty good. But 
if there's any uh, the definition is what Squirrel said the other uh, earlier in the show the inmates running the asylum that is the NBA these players are ridiculous I mean they the players have the keys to every you know arena in in the league which is why half the teams look like they don't even try uh but i would be sh- i really would be genuinely shocked if they play basketball this year well that's what happens I really when you would. make a team sport more about individuals on the team yeah. and that's what's happening to the nba that's one thing i was i really disliked about the nba is how you know the players if you're a star player on that team like a kobe bryant oh, yeah. i mean i i feel sorry for uh for Mike Brown this upcoming season in the LA. Lakers. Yeah. Um, you know, Phil Jackson was there because Phil Jackson knew how to deal with all the egos. He knew how, I mean, he did it before with Jordan and Pippen. Um, he went to LA. He did it there with, uh, with Kobe and Shaq. And then eventually just Kobe and Paul yeah, Gasol. Mike Brown dealt with LeBron and all that. So I think that's one of the reasons they hired him. Yeah, but Mike Brown ended up losing his job. Well, too. after winning 62 games too. Um, I mean, that was, but I mean, you can sure bet that if Kobe goes up to uh, to who owns the Lakers, Jerry West, and says, "Jerry West is no, he doesn't own the Lakers." Who owns the Lakers then? It's, um, Jerry Jerry West is the general man. He used to be the general manager of the Lakers. Uh, it doesn't matter. Go ahead. Yeah, what, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, somebody. I don't. I don't. I don't, right I don't like this coach. You know, I I want him out, and it's either him or me. You can sure bet that the Lakers are going to choose Kobe over him. Well, you know what? You know, I don't mean to interrupt you, but this is where, in, you know, I know people will probably disagree with me. That's where you know, Kobe, you're what, thirty six, thirty seven. You no. played uh, how old is he now? It's like thirty two. Uh, well, but he started when he was. He's been very playing young, so. professional basketball for a long time. He's slowing down. He's beating up. It's like, hey, you know what? You're going to be gone here in a couple of years. I got a team to run. So Kobe, really. I think Kobe Bryant still had a good six years left. In well, he, but he, he might, but this is the stuff where I think you have to say something. And it doesn't mean it has to be in the press. It doesn't mean it has to even be I, I an don't... argument. It's just like, hey, we have a we have a franchise here that is a marquee franchise. It has been for 50 years. It's going to be here after you're gone. The reason why it's we you, you are a Laker and why it's great is because this is – this is the Lakers. This I, isn't I the Kobe Bryant Lakers. I agree with you to some degree, but at the same time, chances are this coach will be gone before Kobe Bryant. Uh, you're you're so, probably you know, right, but my, my point Kobe is Bryant is that will probably be contributing to the Lakers after this coach. A, is gone. Every once in a while, you have to set a presence, and I just think you know, you, you know, it's got to be. It can't always be about you, and that's what's happened to basketball. I. I agree with both. I agree with you, Tip, when you say, you know, it it has to be about basketball and squirrel what you said. It's I think that that's true. Also, I think Kobe's going to bring be there after Mike Brown. Um, To tell you the truth, I'm going to go ahead and give Brown Mike Brown. If you give me an over and under on three seasons, I'm going to take the under on three seasons for Mike Brown. I would with most coaches in the NBA, though. Yeah. I got John Huster, though. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, he does have John say, It's funny with the Pistons, the over and under is always uh, 43 games. So, <laughs> um, But what about basketball in general? Has has the, the sports, you know, sports media tried to put basketball on the same pedestal that the NBA, or not the NBA, but, the, but Major League Baseball and the NFL is on when it's quite simply – not that popular. It's 
I would say it's closer to the popularity of hockey. Oh, than, no, no, no. You don't think even, so? No. It, basketball is leaps and bounds more popular than hockey. Well, I, I know that, but I'm just saying, I, of course, that's the case. But I'm saying, you know, as far as, you know, the media goes, I think they're trying to put it on a pedestal, whereas it's, they're trying to make it up like it's, like it's Major League Baseball or the NFL when it's not. You know, you look at ESPN, they consistently shove it down your throat. and People love it, man. Basketball's big. It, it, is, it is big, but I don't think it's as big as the media tries to make it up to be. I still think that they try to make it. Do you feel like that way the, when the Pistons are good, though? And I'm just, sure, yeah. I mean, when the Pistons are good, Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's big stuff in Detroit. And, uh, Absolutely. And, you know, and, 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 and you do feel like basketball is on that level. When well, the in, the, in, the, in the Pistons' case, the last time that they were popular, I would say that the NBA was – Scrambling to try to find um, someone to beat them, someone to beat them because the Pistons didn't have that. I mean, and we talked about it too with this past uh, with this past finals. I mean, what was the big story when the Mavericks beat the uh, beat the Heat? It was LeBron and and Dwayne Wade not winning their championship. Right. Same thing with uh, same thing with uh, you know the Pistons back in two thousand four. It was Kobe Bryant not winning the championship and. I think that they, you know, they look for stories in the NBA to try to bring it up to what baseball and what the NFL is. When it's quite simply, I don't think. Well, I think. You I, know, I what I guess what I'm trying to say is it's is it's closer to the popularity of hockey, even though it's not. It's much I, I, more popular than hockey. I know what you're saying, but I, I think they do that just because they're they're all in bed together now, and you know it. And I hate to say this because it's such a just an overused term, but it's true. It's it's money, and the media, ESPN, uh, ABC deals with the NBA. Their job is to make money and sell this league, so they're gonna do that. They're gonna do whatever they can to sell it. If the NHL ever somehow got on ESPN again, you know they'll do whatever they can to sell. You might not like the way they sell it, but they have to sell it. Mm-hmm. And you know, baseball and football basically sells itself but you know it's it is popularity wise you know it's the you know it's the two biggest sports in the country of course but uh, no they they have to it you know you might want to think it's phony whatever you probably get that feel i agree but they have to do it well and one of the reasons basketball is big too is because basketball has i'm not even saying about the sport it's the face recognition basketball players have like hockey and football they're always wearing helmets and stuff like that so even though you know who these guys are it's, you don't see other than other than like a Peyton Manning you don't really see these guys in in commercials and even with baseball as big as baseball as you really don't other than I mean what A-Rod does like Gatorade or something like that or maybe it's Cheater mm-hmm. other than that basketball basketball players there's always almost every team has a guy who's doing ads and stuff like that, and you see them. You can, you know you don't need to see the name of the, on the jersey to know who the, it is on basketball because you see these guys. And I agree so. with that, but, but my point about where the NBA, I understand why they sell the stars. I understand that, but very subtly the NBA has to figure out a way to sell the teams. And it's like when you, you, know, you hear the Pistons, you know, the buy the five-game Pistons package and, in November, you see Kobe, and you know they don't even say the Lakers anymore. It's just, and it's like, 
I think oh, that's yeah, where they're making saying. the mistake. I think it doesn't mean they're get, you give up on your star players ever, but very subtly start making this where you're talking about baseball recognitions because, you know what, you want to see the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, no, I you agree. You want to see the Yankees or the Tigers or, you know, the Cubs. And if there's a great player who happens to be on that team, they might say, you know, Albert Pujols and the Cardinals are coming to town. But, yeah. you know, come on, it's, there's so much history behind it. You want to see that team. No, oh, no, and I totally understand that. I mean, no matter how big Derek Jeter is, there's still he will still never eclipse the name of the New York No, Yankees. that's not ever. even possible. And, and that's what I mean about the Lakers. The Lakers are the Lakers. No, I, I agree, I agree. I just think when it comes to, well, you, you just mentioned money. I think that's one of the main reasons, because when it comes to basketball, it's these guys' faces. It's... Oh, you got oh LeBron James is doing Nike commercials. I mean, look at what Nike did for Michael Jordan. Right. I mean, just stuff like that. I mean, you know what the other thing is too with basketball is, you know, I'm, I'm not putting football in the equation here because football is in a league of its own as far as popularity yeah, and and promotion. But prints um, its own money. Yeah, I mean, you, exactly. You take you take baseball and you take hockey along with basketball. Um, as far as the English-speaking athlete here in the United, Sp- United States, you're going to get more of it out of the NBA, yeah, even though true. they do have a good number of European players. But still, uh, I think that you're going to get far more American-born, English-speaking players than you will in hockey and or baseball. And now, baseball. I mean, baseball, I mean, there's... And you look at it here in Detroit. I mean, who's the face... Of the Detroit Tigers. Well, prior to this season, who was the yeah, face? It's been Brandon Inge. It's been Brandon Inge. Now. When Brandon Inge is in no way the best player on the Detroit yeah, Tigers. But it is Miguel Cabrera. But the only reason why you don't get Miguel Cabrera out Justin Miguel, Verlander. Now, well, it, now is. it is. This year it is. Now it is, yes. But well, even now, I mean, Justin Verlander is just starting to get more recognition as being the one of the best, if not the best player on the Detroit Tigers. Prior to that, it was Brandon Inge. It was Brandon Inge going out there, you know, doing all the public appearances, you know, doing the appearances at Mott Children's Hospital and, you know, all that. You couldn't do that with Cabrera, really, because his English wasn't all there. He's drunk all the time. And he's, and he's drunk all the time, too. How much are the kids? <laughs> no, you, no you, that's actually a good point. It, I mean, especially hockey and baseball. I mean, half the players on the Tigers, well, every time I hear uh, Victor Martinez talk, I'm always like, I forget that he's... I know, and it's, <laughs> and it's, and it's, and it's so, so weird. It's, it's almost it's, disorienting. It's hard. It. And, you know, when Carlos Guillen, and he's, I know he's making his way up too, but when Carlos Guillen would speak with the media after a game... It was tough. It oh, was yeah. tough, and same thing with Miguel Cabrera, too. Pudge, too. Pudge was oh tough. Oh, my God. I mean, seriously, it's, Val, it's so weird. Valverde's tough. and You know, it's all of it's tough. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of a... Of a Curtis Granderson. Was, Curtis Granderson was there. But I, I really, truly believe that's something that the NBA does have going for it right now is... And I'm not saying that that's a good thing, you know, because... It's helpful when you're trying to sell stuff. It's it definitely it is definitely helpful when you're trying to you know sell something because you can't put somebody up there that can you know that has trouble speaking English trying to sell you know your deodorant or Gatorade or really more even more than that the NBA will always be a hundred times bigger than hockey because everyone can it's free to play basketball sure yeah you have a court in the city park you have a court in your backyard. Uh, 
Hockey's an incredibly expensive sport to play as a oh, kid. Oh, sure. And you know what? You are eliminating literally 90% of the population in the United States when it comes to hockey. And basketball you could play all year yeah, long. Yeah, due to too. weather and due to economic conditions. Uh, most people can't afford their kids to play hockey. But everybody can play basketball. Yeah, it's just, I mean... I just, I just think the media tries to make basketball more than what it actually is as far as popularity goes. I think they try to make it more popular than it actually is when um, I just I just don't think it's there. I don't think it's there at all with, with Major League Baseball. I don't even think it's close with Major League Baseball and, and the NFL. Some of these sports, in my opinion, and I know this will never happen, and I'm including the media, uh, getting in on these negotiations and all that somehow they have to sit down and figure out where where do we really want to go with this you know what, what are we trying to promote are we are, you know I, and i know it's an unanswerable question probably a little too philosophical but it, what are they trying to promote is it just always got to be about everything's got to be money then you know what i guess i think we're heading down a slippery slope i just do no, it isn't. It, it, it's one of those things that I agree with you on that. Your point there, Adam, with maybe the media tries to make it bigger than it is, but I think the media tries to make every sport bigger than it is. I mean, I, I just think that's a problem in general, except for hockey. I mean, <laughs> but uh, I, they don't as, even try with hockey. No, as big as football is, and I mean, don't get me wrong, football is big, but. Comments like Ray Lewis saying crime will go up if the NFL <laughs> isn't going on. Shows the, and he's just an ass anyway, but stuff like that, it's like, okay, we literally do have other lives other than watching your stupid sport. That's why I kind week, of, that's so. why I kind of admire LA. Because <laughs> they just always yeah, you say hey, no. You know what, football's fun, but, <laughs> you know, we have, we have a lot of things to do out here. Football isn't everything, guys. Yeah, when people, uh, when people from <laughs> Midwest... You know, look at LA and say, "What's wrong with them?" It's the, I. You know, there's people in LA going, "Have you ever been to a beach?" <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. We can barbecue like 365 days a year, and we're outside, and we're, you know, really. I mean, that's football. Why I love football. I played football yesterday with my kids oh, yeah. outside because it was warm out. I was going to say, they just look at us and go, first of all, try not being fat, <laughs> and maybe go outside and actually play the sport yourself." <laughs> Yeah. Plus, you know, they get a lot of medicinal marijuana out there. Oh, you know, yeah. That's something to do. There's tons of stuff to do. Yeah, I think I, I definitely think that that's the case, too, as far as L.A. goes. I mean, just having an abundance of stuff to do. I mean, you're in Southern California. Absolutely. Um, we just got something on the text line. Go ahead. From, uh, you know, from uh, Gilson from Inside the Huddle. I think he's bummed out about those opinions. He says football is everything. <laughs> of course he would say that. Um, well, and honestly, and I don't mean to, and I mean no offense by this at all, but cities like L.A. and a lot of cities in Florida, too, there is a high a high immigrant population. I mean, saying illegal immigrant, but no, there's a no. high uh, immigrant population on both these cultures that are not from uh, the U.S. And guess what? The only country pretty much in the world that loves football is the United States of America. So these people come here, and they probably go, I don't understand why you like this sport. They why do you like rugby when they're not when they're wearing pads? They like pussies? soccer. They love soccer. Well, we're going to go ahead and yeah. crash the net with Aaron Egemeyer. Aaron, what is going on? How are you doing tonight? Not pretty much. I feel kind of bad now because it clearly was getting on a tear there for a second. <laughs> 
Well, that's all right. We uh, we're uh, we got it. We got to discuss some uh, some of the stuff going on in the NHL right now. Um, first, Aaron, I want to know what the hell is going on with these teams giving out these huge contracts to Villalino and Ed Jovanowski, who's going to be playing in a walker towards the end of that four-year deal with uh, with Florida. Um, Erhoff turning on 10 years with the Islanders, ends up signing with, uh, who did he end up signing with, Buffalo? Yeah, Buffalo. Was Newski getting that huge contract with, um, with uh, the Blue Jackets? I mean, you know... It, if I remember correctly, the NHL is going to have their own collective bargaining issues here pretty soon. What's the deal, though, with all these huge contracts right now with what seems to be a pretty poor unrestricted free agent pool here? Um, I mean, I think you kind of hit it there. Because <clears throat> I think um, they are anticipating the CBA expiring. They're going to have to restructure a lot of these deals. Um I mean, all of it has to do with a rising salary cap and, more importantly, a rising salary floor where a lot of teams have to sign these big players. I mean, you don't have to look any further than Thomas Kopetsky. I mean, Florida is the best example to look at for teams that had to take on these kind of contracts just to make it to the floor of the salary cap. Yeah, I just, um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I really, really like what, what the Red Wings are doing in this sense, how they're not how they're going out there they have they have plenty of money to spend this off season they're not going crazy they're not going out there with you know you know trying to spend every single cent that they have on this free agent market when it's when they could i mean they could go out there and offer you know tons of money to Wisniewski. they could go out there and offer tons of money to Jovanowski and they're not doing it i think that the red wings are being very very smart well, they want weber yeah, I mean, they. Can, I, I think that they're definitely. I mean, the free agent class next year is definitely a lot better than what it is this year. But I'm really liking what the Red Wings have been doing so far and being very, very modest in terms of the free agent pool this year. Uh, definitely, you know, I mean, with both the the cap going up almost three, four, five million dollars, and then Rafalski's contract coming up, uh, I think a lot of people expected them to go make a big signing, but. Um, I think the more and more we look at the signings they've made, they're going to probably go into this year under the cap, which is uh, they something they haven't done in almost five, six years now. And it leaves um, them. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Aaron. No, I was just going to say, uh, you know, I think that's going to leave them room towards the middle of the season where they could possibly then make a big trade to bring someone in. That's what I was just going to say. That you know, it, it the first time in a long time the Wings are going to have. Um, you know, money, like you said, at the trade deadline here to bring in, you know, that big-time player that we haven't seen. You know, we're going to be able to bring in somebody, you know, that's that's um, not like a Yuri Sleeger that we've done in the past. Um, Nicholas is sitting there saying Roberto Luongo at the trade deadline <laughs> and raising his hands. Um, but, yeah, I definitely see what you're saying, Aaron. I, I, I like what the Red Wings are doing right now. Very, very modest moves. They're not – it seems like they're not panicking like a lot of these other teams did. When, no, they don't um, need to. No, absolutely not. Um, we did see a big trade go down uh, yesterday, though, Aaron. The San Jose Sharks trading forward Danny Heatley to the Minnesota Wild for Martin Havlett. Um, Heatley has three years remaining on a deal that will count as $7.5 million un- 
million a year under the salary cap. Havlett has four years left remaining on his current contract with an annual cap hit of $5 million. Were you surprised at all, Aaron, by this trade? Um, it seemed like the Sharks definitely had to do something to kind of shake things up um, from falling short of the Stanley Cup again this season. Um, and who do you think came out on top in this deal? Um, well, you know, I kind of mentioned it, too, after that this season ended, that they would have to make some kind of move just to try to shake up the locker room. Uh, you know, Heatley had a rough year, kind of. He broke his hand. He played through that. Uh, you know, obviously in the playoffs he wasn't himself after the Cronwall hit, and I think it just kind of um, made the fans and even the management a little uneasy with how much he was getting paid. Um, you know, it's just funny because these two players are kind of, they're very similar in how they play the game. Um, Havlat, you know, is a little bit better of a playoff performer, but he's had a little bit more experience in that with Chicago. Um, but, you know, this is going to be um, a pretty interesting trade to see how it works out because, I mean, these guys really made a couple moves together with this team. Uh, so I think, though, all in all, Minnesota definitely came out the better hockey club from these trades. Um, Brent Burns and Martin Havlat for then Setaguchi and Heatley. That's not a bad trade, really, because that gives them two solid lines of hockey. Yeah, I I, I really liked uh, I really liked uh, what Minnesota got in this end. I mean, I like Havlat as a player, but um, you know, I think Danny Heatley's really going to be able to step in with Minnesota and be able to help them, you know, right away. So I I I just really really like what Minnesota's done with both of these trades with you know with Setaguchi and with um with Danny Heatley here too. Uh moving along though, Yamir Yager ends up signing with uh the Philadelphia Flyers of all teams after the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Detroit Red Wings both pulled out. Um thank God. Yeah, seriously. I mean, after uh, given the way that this turned out, he got a what, a 3.3 million dollar one-year deal with the Flyers. Uh is Jagger worth $3.3 million, Aaron? I mean, maybe before he went to Russia, but yeah, at 39 years old, I don't think so at all. I mean, I would I would have been happy. I would have been okay. Well, not, I don't want to say happy, but I would have been okay if they signed Jagger, the Red Wings, for $2 million. But $3.3 million is, is very, very pricey. And like I said, I don't like the way he went about things right here. Uh, with basically going into hiding from the Penguins, um, not returning phone calls to them, and I really, really like what uh, what the Penguins did. They basically they said, you know, whatever, screw you. If you don't, if you're not going to take our phone calls, if you're not going to, you know, respond, then you know we're taking the deal off the table. And same thing with the Red Wings too. The Penguins and the Red Wings weren't going to get in any type of bidding war for a 39-year-old player that didn't play in the NHL for the past three seasons um, or that hasn't played in the NHL for the past three seasons. So I really, really like what uh, what Pittsburgh and the, what the Red Wings did in that case. Um, as far as what the Flyers did, I think the Flyers have had one of the worst off-seasons out of any other team in the NHL, getting rid of Jeff Carter, getting rid of Mike Richards, signing Ilya Brzgalov to that monster monster contract and then bringing a 39 year old Yamir Yager on board which Yamir Yager went on to say that oh one of the reasons why I signed with the Philadelphia Flyers is because they got Ilya Brzgalov give me a break you get you signed with the Philadelphia Flyers because you got the best deal from them no other and and he he said well I turned down less money to sign with the Flyers why because Ilya Brzgalov signed with you 
horseshit. He, anyway. he must think we're morons because he has such a huge history with Ilya Brzgalov, and because Ilya Brzgalov is such a great goalie, oh, no, he's this a, new Roberto Luongo. I, that's what I said last week that Ilya Brzgalov <laughs> may be the new Roberto Luongo. But you know, Luongo's breathing a sigh of relief now because Adam doesn't hate him as much anymore. Um, I, I, you know, I just, I, I don't know what the Flyers are are thinking this offseason i think that they've had a horrible horrible offseason don't know what they're doing um i could see them trying to shake things up but i think this is going a little overboard tying up a ton of money in brisgalov who hasn't done much in his nhl career as of yet and yamir yager giving him 3.3 million dollars after not playing in the nhl what do you think aaron as far uh, no, as the yeah, flash you know i definitely agree with you um I mean, I think this is going to be one of those moments in sports, and we had one, you know, about three, four years ago where it's the wrong choice, and it was the wrong move by a team and by the player, and I think this is going to be the NHL's far moment. I, I, I think you're probably right. I mean, oh, man, that means we're going to have to see Yager's dick. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> oh, man, it's probably, I mean, at least for Yager, it has to be, you know, Bigger than what Brett Favre was packing there. That was uh... I a. Mean, he's sporting some of that uncircled European trash. So, yeah. <laughs> I have to say, uh, I mean, not. It's not like Yager has ever been this humble guy or anything, but yeah, I mean, but for him to originally say, "I want to play for Pittsburgh," I still got a home there. Honestly, this my is, heart's in Pittsburgh. My heart's in Pittsburgh. This isn't about the money, and then all of a sudden. He goes in the high. It's just one of those things, like, especially to sign with the Flyers. It is that not? I mean, I know he hasn't played in Pittsburgh in 10 years, but it's kind of like, is he pissed at the city? Is the city? That's why Forsberg wouldn't sign with the Red Wings because he, you know, his loyalty yeah. with the Avalanche and, you know, he, he wouldn't feel right, which you've got to respect about that with Peter Forsberg. It's just, this is like, to me, the last team on earth I thought he was going to sign with was the Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, that honestly is just the old, you know, uh, F you to the Penguins. Well, it's I, it's never the money, it's just the amount. Well, yes, of course. <laughs> I just well, yeah, that would have been like, I mean, like, for instance, Shanahan going to Chicago or something. I mean, that's heavy stuff for that team. Yeah, Archelio's coming here. Except he didn't sign. He didn't sign here, though. Yeah, he got (laughs) traded. He got traded. But uh, I tell you, I mean, speaking of Detroit, Chicago, it still looks weird seeing Bowman, especially during the NHL draft, seeing him up there with, you know, the whole Chicago Blackhawks front office. Yeah, it sucks. It's it's weird. It is. It's it's horrible, honestly. Yeah, I don't like it. Um, It's his friggin' fault they won a cup. (laughs) Um, moving, Moving right along, though. Um... Retirement this past week in the NHL. Paul Correa retires after 15 years playing in the NHL. Um, he cited head injuries as his major um, as his major reason why he couldn't play anymore. Couldn't get over those uh, post concussion symptoms that he had. Uh, Aaron, where does uh, where does Paul Correa rank in um, in terms of you know the some of the the best forwards in the NHL. Where I mean, is he Hall of Fame material? What do you see with Paul Correa as he retires? I mean, for 15 years and kind of the injuries he sustained, he had a pretty impressive career. Um, you know, he was a point-per-game player. He played on several pretty good teams at the beginning of his career. Uh, you know, but he was never the same after Scott Stevens had his way with him. And uh, 
you know, it's just something where I don't think he'll ever be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But, uh, you know, maybe one year if the draft class is a little low, you know, he could probably fit in there. What do you think his uh, his partner in crime, Timo Solani, what's he going to do this season? Is he going to retire? Is he going to come back for another year? What do you think? Uh, I think Solani could easily go another year. Uh, you know, last year he played phenomenally. He had a 30-goal season. And uh, I think a lot's just going to depend because he had an off-season surgery here. It'll uh, depend on his body agreeing with him to play or not. All right, well, right now we're going to do our first annual Crash in the Net Aaron Agemeyer Awards. Now that the season has come and gone, the draft is over. We're in NHL free agency right now. Um, we are in full off-season mode now in the NHL. And the first category here, best overall player this past season in the NHL. We're going to throw out what the NHL does with their awards. These are the Agemeyer Awards. Aaron, who is the, the best? The yeah. The Ennies, yep, the Ennies. Who who gets the Enny for the best overall player of the NHL this past year? Um, I mean, through this whole year, it felt like it was kind of the year of the underdog for me. Um, and I think in kind of going coinciding with that, I think Martin St. Louis had the best year in the NHL. Uh, you know, Sedin had more points. Perry had 50 goals. But St. Louis did everything. He scored timely goals. He was effective on all ends of the ice. But he did all that while shaping and mentoring, I think, probably the next great NHL player in Stephen Stamkos. Or Martin St. Louis, if you uh, if you ask the NHL awards presenters. Uh, yeah, they um, need to change those awards. Oh it's awful. God. Oh, man, yeah, that was, that was really bad. Nicholas Lindstrom, Martin St. Louis, yeah, that was bad. Um, best coach, who gets who gets the any for the best coach this past season in the NHL, Aaron? Uh, well, you know, Claude Julian had a great year, you know, winning the Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins. But um, Dan Bilsma, hands down, you know, he kept a uh, team together that lost uh, Jenny Malkin and Sidney Crosby. And, uh, you know, he kept his team focused. And, you know, because of that, they got into the playoffs and, you know, in a very good seating. Um, there's very few players on that team that can be named without Crosby or Malkin or Slurry and, so, you know, he, I thought that was a really impressive feat. All right. And the best defenseman, who gets the any for that? Um, obviously, it's going to be Nick Lidstrom. You know, he's uh, 40 years old. He's still probably the most incredible defenseman in the league, um, despite flashier players like, you know, Chara, Weber, um, even Cronwall. Lidstrom continuously is up against top line, puts up big points. But, um, you know, an honorable mention is kind of Viznovsky from the Ducks this year. He had a great year as well, and I thought he was snubbed for the Norris. Nobody was uh, whispering Homer underneath their breath here, Aaron. So I guess uh, everybody's going to go go ahead and agree with uh, with Nicholas Lidstrom there. Um, Lindstrom. I said Lidstrom. No. <laughs> <laughs> best rookie. Who gets the ending for the best rookie, Aaron? Um, I think, uh, no offense to Jeff Skinner, uh, I think it was Logan Couture. Um, you know, when you're a rookie on a team filled with guys like Setaguchi, Heatley, Marlowe, Pavelski, Thornton, and, you know, you come out and have an all-star season like that, I thought that was really impressive by a young kid. And the best goaltender? I mean, this one's going to be easy. It was obviously Tim Thomas. But, um, you know, I thought there were a couple other guys, you know, uh, Renee. Uh, Ryan Miller, Jimmy Howard, obviously Luongo, but you know Thomas was the story this year. All right, and the any for the biggest loser. Let's hear it, Aaron. Don't disappoint. Is it a cop out to say Hudler? 
<laughs> no. Um, no, you'd be no, correct. No, it's not, actually. <laughs> but, no, you know, uh, to be honest, in all fairness, it was Kovalchuk and the New Jersey Devils in general. Um, you know, they had a great second half once they uh, made a coaching change, but, you know, there were so many expectations for that team, and Kovalchuk flattened under the pressure. All right, well, who's in the best shape, do you think, going into next season? Um, obviously, the Red Wings are. Uh, I think the Canucks, you know, they didn't lose anything. They're going to be hungry for the Cup. Uh, I think they'll have a great season again. Um, the Rangers added a lot of pieces. If they can get this RFA situation, you know, kind of flattened out for them. Um, the Sabres made some big moves. You know, I think that's going to energize that team. Uh, the Lightning, I think, are still going to be in a situation as long as they get Stamkos re-signed. Um, so, I mean, I think those are going to probably be the biggest teams going next year, and obviously the Capitals, too. Well, speaking of Stamkos, real quick, um, have you heard any updates on that negotiation, on the, his contract negotiations? Um, I mean, honestly, not really. They're uh, still talking about it. You know, they're saying lower years, higher income, but I think the best thing Tampa's kind of hoping for is they might just be leaking some of this stuff to try to get someone to offer him some kind of sheet so they can just match it and be done with it for the year. <laughs> All right. Um, who is in the worst shape going into next season? Um, I'd say Edmonton or Dallas. Uh, you know, Edmonton's still a couple years, I think, away from really taking a big step into the playoff picture again. But uh, Dallas is just going in the wrong direction. And finally, will Boston win the Stanley Cup in 2012? Uh, no. You know, as we know, it's incredibly hard to repeat under normal circumstances. And, you know, just by keeping their core players and their team in shape, uh, I just don't think Tim Thomas is going to have that stellar of a career year again to kind of carry them through. Yeah, I, I, again, it's it's very, very hard to, uh, to repeat as Stanley Cup champions. And, you know, it's Tim Thomas is going to be another year older. He's already he's already an old goalie playing in the nhl this past season when you add another year onto them it's it's i think it's going to be tough i tell the truth i mean i see boston as being a playoff team but i can probably see them being eliminated early next season um go ahead Tip. aaron i'm just curious you know you brought up dallas and i couldn't agree more i think they're i actually think i'm starting to wonder if you think they can survive even uh franchise in dallas anymore it just seems like they're just not very interested anymore uh, no, yeah, you know, um, their attendance is steadily declining, you know, ever since Madonna, uh kind of started losing his role. Now with Richards gone, you know, they're starting to try to change the face of the franchise. Um, I think a lot's going to depend on the next couple years for them to really get some fan involvement and just to even make even payments. Yeah, I agree. I, I just I can easily see this team leaving that city. Yeah, what do you what do you make, though, Aaron, of, uh, of that uh, Brad Richards deal in – in New York, uh, nine years, sixty million dollars. I mean, it's. Uh, do you see the NHL changing things around when the next uh, collective bargaining agreement is up? Um, you know, where you know they put some more guidelines down on on how these contracts are structured, um, because it seems like you know teams are taking you know full advantage of this loophole in the way that they structure some of these long term deals. Um, what do you think? What do you make about all that, though? Um, I think it's definitely going to be an issue uh, next time you know the CBA comes around. But I mean, in general, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty stupid contract. It's a long time for a player like Richard, who's not bad, but 
they're going to be paying the guy, you know, $3 million a year when he's 39 years old. Um, I mean, is he a Yager type? But I just don't see him being worth that much money, and I think it's going to lead uh, the Rangers into a lot of trouble in the coming years, you know, because they're going to have to re-sign guys like Callahan, uh, Mark Stahl, Michael Delgado. Uh, so I think it's going to lead them into a lot of trouble. I think so, too, and we kind of saw it this past uh this week with them uh, buying out Chris Drury's contract and, you know, not bringing him back. but The Rangers have been shooting themselves in the foot for 20 years. It oh, absolutely. Like. Absolutely. And it's, you know, when, the, you know, back during the early 2000s when they would try to get, you know, these, you know, a bunch of these high-priced players in there when they tried to bring in Yager, when they tried to bring in um, Eric Lindros, it's, it, just, it just never worked for them. And, and I... And it seemed like they were starting to turn the turn the corner this past season. You know, they made the playoffs. Seemed like they got a good, you know, core group of young players there that they could kind of build off of. But yet they go and throw um, nine years at Brad Richards. And it's kind of the truth. I really, I mean, Brad Richards is a good player, but I don't know if he's a player I'd offer $9 million to. It seems like the only reason why he got a contract like that is because he was the best player in a group of pretty, you know, it was a bad free agent. Market. Yeah, exactly. He came out. He, he got lucky. Basically, oh, absolutely. he came out at the right time. Sure, absolutely. If he came out next year, he would not have made. See, that to me and Aaron, so. I don't know if you agree with this. Brad Richards, to me, and obviously, he, I would never pay him that kind of money. But he would have been a perfect fit for the Wings, in my opinion. Um. Yeah, I think he would have been a pretty valuable guy to have alongside, you know, Zetterberg or. Uh, he had that took a little break sometimes, but I'd have much rather seen him go after, uh, you know, a, more of a sniper like uh, Gagne or um, even like uh, Wolski from New York. You know, if they need to dump some space, I'd love to see him give that guy a chance. All right. Well, that's going to do it this week for Crash the Net. Aaron, thanks for uh, joining us this week. And um, also for the first annual any Aaron Eggemeyer Crash the Net Awards, too. So, um, we'll talk to you later, though, Aaron. Sounds good, guys. You have a good night, all right? You too. Thanks, Aaron. Um, other than that, we're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. This is The Majors Live on The Majors Dynamic. We'll be right back. because I was just making money stealing cars. Well, I was 10 when I first got involved with drugs. I skipped school because, you know, nobody cared. When I first got pregnant, school was not important to me, so I dropped out. I just thought the only way I can make something out of my life is that if I get an education. I still need to go to school to make, make it for myself. Stay in school. Give yourself a chance. I think I'm happier now. I know I'm happier now. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. People have all kinds of excuses for not saving energy. I didn't plug it in. I'll turn it off later. It's not my music. It's just one phone charger. So um, we don't have those Energy Star appliances. So that old window leaks. How much energy and money could the new ones really save? 
Maybe it's time to stop making excuses and start doing some simple things to save the energy and resources we can. Because a little here and a little there can add up to a lot later, and you just never know what people will need in the future. My name is Sarah, and I'm going to get started today. We can all help save more energy for tomorrow. What's your excuse? For more energy-saving tips that also save money, visit loseyourexcuse.gov parents. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy, the Ad Council, and the station. Hi, this is Carl Edwards here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You want to make a difference? It's simple. Be responsible. Plan ahead. Designate before you celebrate. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. This is a Majors update. I'm Adam Hernandez. Authorities have found the body of a Purdue football player in a northern Indiana lake two days after he was last seen going swimming during a party with friends. Officers with the Indiana Department of Natural Resources say the body of 22-year-old Sean Maddy was found Tuesday morning in Lake Freeman, about 20 yards from the shore. Autopsy and blood test results were pending. State conservation officers say the Shoreview, Minnesota native, was last seen at about 5 p.m. Sunday and that friends spent six hours looking for Maddie before calling the police. The search continued Monday. Maddie had been a walk-on running back with Purdue's football team since 2007. Athletics director Morgan Burke expressed condolences to Maddie's family, and coach Janie Hope called him a special young man whose positive spirit will be part of our program forever. The Boston Red Sox have traded outfielder Mike Cameron to the Florida Marlins less than a week after cutting the three-time Gold Glove winner. The Red Sox sent the 38-year-old Cameron in cash to the Marlins for either a player to be named or cash. The deal was announced before Boston hosted Toronto on Tuesday night. Cameron hit just 149 with three home runs and nine RBIs in 33 games for Boston this season. The Red Sox designated him for assignment last Thursday. Cameron has about $3.5 million left in a two-year, $15.5 million contract he signed as a free agent before last season. He's a two, or 249 career hitter with 272 home runs, 950 RBIs, and 296 stolen bases. The Marlins will be his eighth team. And Nebraska acknowledged Tuesday that it distributed nearly $28,000 in textbooks and other school supplies to athletes from 2007 to 2010. Material that wasn't required and amounts to what school says are three violations of NCAA rules. The school said it outlined the violations in a report to the NCAA pertaining to book scholarships, extra benefits, and a failure to monitor. Itself imposed a two-year probationary period as well as a fine of 28000 payable to charity. The school said the athletes involved have already paid the amount of their individual extra benefits to charities. It said it had processed 57 such payments that were valued more than 100 and other 181 that were less than $100. The NCAA allows schools to cover the cost of required course textbooks and athletic scholarships, but not extra professor-recommended books. Nebraska said it uncovered the violation on its own last fall and determined that athletes in 19 sports received books 
and that supplies were not required. For more, check out themajors.net, gratty.com. In the meantime, we'll get back to the Majors Live on themajors.net. I'm Adam Hernandez. Welcome back, everybody, to the last half hour of the Majors Live on the Majors.net. If you're just joining us for the tail end of the show, so far you missed our new rapid fire segment where we talked about all kinds of stuff. Uh, just name a few. We did the uh, we talked about pool holes coming off the DL a little bit early. We talked some Tiger Woods. We uh, mentioned the very beginning of the Roger Clemens trial, Jeter's 3,000 hit chase, and many, many more. We did our big Wimbledon review with tennis expert Nicholas. We did some NBA lockout talk, and we crashed the offseason net with Aaron Eggemeyer, where he graced us with the 2011 Aggie Awards. <laughs> Here is your host. Oh! This is still episode number 67, and it is almost day 2,232 in the search for Tim Sheldon. Or 68. 68, yeah. So it's 68. My bad. bad. It's a combo episode. We're going back in time. I still haven't, still haven't changed the uh, (laughs) pattern on the top of the page. Um, Anyways, Squirrel, I'm going to throw it right back to you. What's happening in Grouty tomorrow night? There's a big show. Tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow. That would be when Grouty is. Yes. No, we have a huge show tomorrow. You need to stay tuned or come back, I should say. You don't have to listen to the live stream for the next 24 straight hours. Yes, you do. You just come back. It would be best if you did. Yeah. Yeah. Just come back this time, 8 o'clock, or this same channel, 8 o'clock Eastern time tomorrow, where the climactic battle between Team Sini and Team Bex will finally be decided. Or will it? I, ha- I have the I have the tally still right now. Um, it <laughs> C- seems like uh, Cini, team. Oh, I'm sorry. Cini and Bex will both be live in studio yes. tomorrow. Um, team Bex leads uh, as far as followers by one follower. Team Bex has Diggler, Lickless, Artifact, and Flash, while Team Cini has Squirrel, Goof, and apparently it has. Fred, yeah, Flash's dad. Flash's dad, but I don't. I didn't think we could confirm that, though. Yeah, it's confirmed. Is it confirmed? Yeah. Okay, supposedly. <laughs> Another trick by Team Cini. But I'm, I'm, I'm still holding out, though. Like you said, I'm that, I'm that guy in Iowa who thinks his vote's the most important thing in, uh, in the election. So, in this time, it is true, though. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be coming in here. They got all kinds of crazy stuff going on. They're, they're they're pretty excited about it, too. And we also have another, before we even break into the Team Senior and Team Bex controversy, we have another big, big rowdy surprise that will be sure to uh, to uh, please all the fans. We're, we're going to leave Uh-oh. it at that. Got some, uh, we got some fan mail to read. <laughs> Anyways, make sure you stay tuned for that. Tomorrow night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, grouty.com, themajors.net. Make sure you listen. Um... We're getting into our game time segment, though. We're going to start off with our bitches and badasses. Um, Tip, we missed you for the past couple weeks, so usually you lead it off. Why don't you go ahead, lead it off this week? Retract, do three weeks in a row. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I'm having, I'm sitting there having trouble. I'm with just the, kidding. I'm having trouble with the bitch this week. Um, it just doesn't seem like anybody's been 
you know, a bad boy or a girl the last couple of weeks, but I'm going to make a little bit of an unusual bitch. I'm going to go with uh, Albert Pujols. Um, it's not a big bitch. I just don't particularly like when guys tell a franchise what to do, and I think that's what he's doing. And uh, my badass this week, uh, it's got. I got to go with Justin Verlander. He's just been lights out for nine starts in a row. Pitcher of the month in the American League. Uh, I don't think you can say anything else about him. He's just been brilliant. Go ahead, Nicholas. Uh, Novak Djokovic, um, badass. For oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> Novak Djokovic, badass. Uh, for being the first man in over seven years to take over the rank of number one in tennis. It's absolutely. It's very, very big. My bitch for this week is actually Tigers president Dave Dombrowski for making what is looking to be a panic move in firing pitching coach Rich uh, Rich Knapp. And uh, I just, I understand the past couple weeks haven't been real great for Tigers pitching minus Justin Verlander, but I don't see how this is going to change anything. And I, I this, to me, it just looks like, uh, and by the reaction of Brad Penny and even the manager Jim Leland, this seems like it's a, uh, just panic. That's the only word to describe it. I don't understand it at all. I think Dombrowski kind of blew this one, in my you, opinion. You know, I, I was kind of hearing that. Um, I was definitely surprised by it, too. But when you go back and you look at what happened this past uh, this past week with, you know, with the New York Mets series and the Giants series and all the runs they gave up there, and um, Porcello still not, you know, coming around that much. Um, Scherzer being up and down the season, even though he does have was he have ten wins so far this season so far, which is which is really good. Um, his ERA is pretty high. His ERA is high. Um, then you look at guys like Ryan Perry, who um, was a number one pick back in two thousand eight, still hasn't quite come around yet. You could kind of see where you know the fire of Rick Knapp was coming from, um, but you also look at it too in another way where. Okay, Rick Knapp wasn't part of that whole Pittsburgh Pirate posse that they have going on right now among the the Detroit Tigers coaching staff with Jim Leland and and Gene Lamont and I think Lloyd McClendon was in there too. Um, but you know, but the thing about pitching coaches when people don't realize in baseball is next to the manager they are by far the most important coach on the team. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, and, and in the Tigers' case too, they don't have a bench coach they, either. They have a lot of. Uh, you know they have a lot. They're, it's a very, very important position, and and I honestly, and I was telling Lickless this over the weekend. I a couple weeks ago, I was actually when just thinking about the Tigers, wondering if he was going to survive because something's wrong with his pitching staff that should be a lot better. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm going to sound like Dabrowski. I'm not saying it's all his fault, but you know, when you have a manager and a GM on a team that contracts are up at the end of the year. These, this is what happens. This is yeah. This is some stuff that so, happens. The, I guess I guess the the thing is, tip is you really didn't hear a whole lot about Rick Knapp as far as right. him being fired. I mean, as far as Tigers fans go, you always heard about uh, get rid of Lloyd McClendon, you know, Dave Dombrowski, Jim Leland, Gene Lamont, who was the third base coach. You know, I mean, he's I mean, really their bench coach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you just really didn't hear a whole lot about Rick Knapp, especially. Um, even after what happened uh, this past weekend, and really all last weekend, with the series against the Mets and the Giants. But, Squirrel, bitch and badass. 
bitches and badasses. You know, I couldn't think of one like individual to go with when I was thinking about it this week. So I just I'm I'm keeping it really simple this week. And I know you guys always rip on me for you know I, I don't like it when you do like dual bitches, dual <laughs> badasses. So this isn't technically two, but it, well it it is though. Who am I kidding? He's trying to cover his ass I, already. I <laughs> but uh, but bitch, NFL and NBA for putting us through all this lockout garbage. Badass MLB and NHL for actually putting a good product up this year and not fighting over ridiculous stuff. When you're making money, you're making money. Be happy about it. My uh, my Ditto. my bitch, or I'm, I'm going to go with my my badass is Ken Holland for not. And I talked about it during Crash in the Net, not panicking, not going out and giving ridiculous contracts to players who quite simply don't deserve those type of contracts um if this was any other year with any other free agent pool they probably wouldn't i mean wasnuski erhoff wouldn't be getting Vili lino i mean come on he had a good season in philadelphia last year but i don't think he was quite worth what buffalo ended up giving him um and I like what Ken Holland did with these modest moves. On the other side of things here, my bitch is any other team in the NHL that went out and started overspending on these uh, on on these players. And it's and this is a lot of the same. These are a lot of the same problems that uh, the NHL was running into prior to the last uh, collective bargaining agreement. I mean, teams going out and spending money where it shouldn't be spent. And you know why they spent it? Because of the salary cap. Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's why I hate salary cap. But, I mean, the NHL was in a bad position before where, but you know, the same, teams They were in were... a bad position before because evidently they didn't have a salary cap. Same thing's happening. Salary caps don't work. Well, I just, I just, I just think, as far as the NHL goes... I think you have some of the worst general managers well, probably but, but in like NHL. Like Aaron said, Florida had to do that just to get to the minimum. Yeah, that's true. And that's just that's silly. I think it's silly too. Um, it's not how you build it. I just I, 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 I just don't like it in general. The way I mean, because Buffalo didn't have to get to a, a salary cap floor. Um, you know, Columbus didn't have to get to a salary cap floor. I mean, it's it, it's still to me, it's it's. It's pressure spending. It's. I don't think Buffalo's was pressure spending. They have a new owner. The guy promised the fans he was going to bring a winner there. I know, but that's. And I, I think he's trying to do that. I think that, it's more of a local thing. With and Buffalo. that and that and that's fine though. But that I mean, you could you could say that that's going out and being irresponsible with the way you spend money. I mean, yeah, you could have you could have somebody going out there. And, yeah, I'm going to spend all the money. I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. And they go and they do that, and. They don't get anywhere, especially in Buffalo, too. Buffalo's already had problems with their professional sports franchises, whether it be the Buffalo Bills or whether it be the Buffalo Sabres. The Buffalo Sabres have had trouble before as far as attendance, as far as money. And, yes, they do have a new owner, and hopefully things start turning around for them. But still, I don't think it's uh, it's it's a good move to all of a sudden. I mean, yeah, you can go out and you can tell your fans that, yes, we are. I want to win. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna do, you know, what it takes to win. But doing what it takes to win also means that you do what it takes to keep the team in Buffalo. You can go out and you could spend all the money you want, but if it ends up costing your team a franchise because of the way you spend money, then 
I think if you ask the fans, what would you rather have? Would you rather have your team in Buffalo, or would you rather have, you know, a couple of seasons where they go out and they throw, you know, huge contracts at, you know, second or third line players like Vili Lino? I'm sure they would go with having their franchise there. So, I don't know. I see what you're saying, Tip. Just um, Buffalo's, Buffalo's always been a pretty stable, you know, NHL team. This, they got rabid hockey fans there, so I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not too worried about Buffalo, but I, I understand your argument about the other, these other teams. But to me, Buffalo is the exception because I think it was once again more of a local thing. To uh, this guy is telling the fans, "Look, we're going to do what we can to make this team better." And um, fan question, interesting fan question this week because you kind of uh, you kind of go back and. You know, you look at what happened with this Casey Anthony trial. And I know it has nothing to do with sports, but it was one of those high-profile cases where a lot of people paid attention to it. And when I was when I was, you know, looking at the, all the coverage that this uh, that this trial was getting, you could only think of one thing in terms of the sports world, and that was the O.J. Simpson verdict, which um, which happened back in what. 1994, I think that's when the no guilty, or not guilty, uh, was it 95? October of 95. I thought we are 90, but it started in 94. Oh, yeah, it did. started in yeah. 94. He, he killed her in 94. He killed her in 94. The Bronco chase was in 94, but the verdict wasn't said until, you said April of 95? I think it was October of 95. October of 95, I'm sorry. Um, but, I mean, I was in, uh, I believe I was in seventh grade when that verdict came down. Yeah, I was in ninth grade. And... <laughs> I guess where were you when that when the OJ verdict came down? I remember where I was. I was in my, I was in my computer, my computer typing class. I think in uh, at Central Middle School here in Plymouth, Michigan, um, typing on Apple IIe's, you know, the alphabet and all that good stuff. And our teacher didn't let us watch it when it seemed like every other teacher in the school let let their class watch it. Um, so I had to hear everybody reacting in the hallway and everything when the, when the was, verdict finally came down. I was down. looking for my first assisted living home in Girls Point. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was a while ago. Then. Damn. I was in Girls Point, actually, that day. Really? Yeah. No kidding. I can't remember what class I was in. I was. I remember it was a freshman in high school, and... I remember, as stupid as it sounds, I remember every day for those couple weeks coming home from school and waiting to see if they had a verdict. And then, so I remember a teacher came into the class and actually told us. It was like, oh, God. That was before, like, cell phones. Oh, yeah, totally. Internet. I was with Jim Brocious and Jim Pipoli in Gross Point. (laughs) What about you, Squirrel? Um... Yeah, I was in uh, I was uh, in school as well. I was uh, I was in tenth grade at the time. Um, I don't remember exactly what class I was in either. I do remember the uh, teacher. I believe it was Mrs. Filetti telling us uh, telling us about it. I actually have more memories of the uh, Bronco chase where Nicholas and I were together actually <laughs> watching watching the Bronco chase. We watched like every minute of it. It was awesome. In his uh, old house in Redford. Just I fell kinda, asleep. I fell asleep. I was watching. Oh, we were loving it. We were rooting for him to get away, too. We were like, he's innocent. <laughs> oh, we thought OJ was awesome at yeah. that point. We were like, no way. OJ is the man. Which, at so the time, I, yeah. that's what they were still saying. They that, were. At the time, they were saying he wasn't even a major suspect. They just wanted to talk to him. Yeah, we just want to talk to you. Yeah, just come down to the police station. We're that, just going to talk. And... That always shows, you know, <laughs> that, how innocent you are when 
they, when they publicly state that you, they don't think you're the killer, and then you get in your Bronco and run away. Did, did you did you hear the rumor that he's gonna? Oprah's gonna enter. This is true, actually. Oprah's yeah, I heard gonna that, yeah, interview yeah. him, and he's gonna admit the fact that he did it. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the rumor, and she's gonna actually pay off the. That was it. The Goldman family, everything that OJ owes them. As far as what happened with the civil oh, I case, didn't, I didn't hear that part. Yeah, of it. that was that was going to be the, the deal. Uh, Did she the find deal. it in her couch or something? Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> I don't. I, it's thirty-one million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't think that passes the smell test, though. I, I, I don't believe that. I mean, I if really I was the don't. Goldmans, I might go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he got. He, I mean, OJ couldn't be busted on it at this point, though, right? No, no, that's double yeah. jeopardy, baby. Yeah, so. He's in jail anyway. Yeah, he's in jail now. Yeah, I, yeah, but I mean, he. he oh no, he's, he's out. He's, he's out. there. He's there for what no, another? He's there with, for nine years, right? In this current. I think so. Yeah. With Casey Anthony could could have walked out of court today and said, "Ha, I did it." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially her, since she was actually convicted of the perjury charge yes. already. So she could come out and be like, "Yeah, it's true. I did it." Well, people can't. You know, people's biggest mistakes they equate innocence with not guilty verdict, and it's just. Two separate things. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, other than that, uh, one last thing that we're going to do on part of our game time segment here. First episode, actually, of every month, we're going to go go ahead and list our uh, the majors' power rankings for baseball. Um, and since we are kind of running low on time here, I'm going to go ahead and do the top ten as far as our power rankings go. And you can go ahead and look and see what the uh, what the final. Um, 20 are on our website, themajors.net, um, tomorrow, and we have those posted. Um, coming in at number 10, though, are the St. Louis Cardinals at 46 and 40. Um, number 9 is the Cleveland Indians at 45 and 38. Number 8 were the Texas Rangers at 45 and 41. Milwaukee Brewers coming at number 7, 45 and 41 as well. Number 6, the San Francisco Giants at 48 and 38. Tampa Bay Rays coming at number 5 at 47 and 38. The Atlanta Braves coming at number 4 at 50 and 36. The Boston Red Sox coming at 49 and 35 at number 3. Number 2, the Philadelphia Phillies at 54 and 32. And then at number 1, tip. The New York Yankees. New York Yankees at 50 and 33. I disagree with that, though. I think Philly should be number 1. I disagree with you. I think the New York Yankees should be number one. No, I, that's fine. I mean, it's I do. I think I, sh- I actually think it should be the Phillies, Braves, and then the Yankees. Jeter's way too much of a liability for them to even be in the top ten right now. <laughs> <laughs> he shouldn't be coming back now. He should have he sat should out take, until take, after just the retire. It's time. You know. The fans can't see the snarky look on your face <laughs> when you say that. By the way, uh-huh. that's what I was hoping they wouldn't wouldn't would actually think I'm an idiot and say something like that. Teams just outside the top ten: Detroit Tigers at number eleven at forty five and forty one, the Washington Nationals at number twelve, wow. forty three and forty three, and the Arizona Diamondbacks at number thirteen, forty six and forty. So that doesn't make sense to me either. Um. We'll go ahead, and uh, this is something that's actually going to be updated every Monday, but we're going to go ahead and read off the first month's power ranking during the first Majors live show of the month. Um, So make sure you stay tuned for that again. First Majors live episode of every month, we'll go ahead and read down um, that month's power rankings. Um, Other than that, though, we're going to go ahead and get into our 30-second drill. Squirrel? 
It is brought to you by <laughs> Twin Galaxy. There we go. Check out me, Lickalus, Grouty's own Timmel, and Grouty's own Goof Juice on the Twin Galaxy show every month. Lickalus, when do you think the new one's going to be out? I know, it's n- nothing, nothing official, but uh, well, we got another week or so? I would say, probably maybe at the end of next week or something like that. That's the, what I'm uh, guessing. Yeah, Mid-July, let's say. Yeah. Got the uh, July edition of the Twin Galaxy show coming at you. Pretty goofy episode this week. Oh, or this month. Yeah. It'll be a good one, though. Oh, so shocker. Definitely check it out. I want to say, too, with that said, <laughs> go and check out the Bonus Life uh, yes. Facebook page. Um, I, don't have a, I don't have an address for it right now, but uh, just go and type in uh, under the search on Facebook, Bonus Life, and yeah. it'll bring you right to bonus it. Bonus Life Extended Play. Yep. And uh, Please like us and check out uh, our, both our trailers. Yes, please. Very cool trailers, especially if you're a video game fan. Yeah, so. we kind of got a teaser trailer and the uh, Walter Day trailer, as it's being called by people. So uh, definitely check those out. Other than that, we do have a slight, slight modification to the way we do the 30-second drill. Um, first two topics are already se- or the first three topics, excuse me, are already set. Um, the last topic, our fourth topic, is going to be a topic of, of our own. It's going to be one last thing that we want to rant about, talk about for 30 seconds. With that said, though, we're going to go ahead and um, kick it off. First question, do you think the NFL does enough to take care of its former players? Right now, um, former players are going to sue the NFL and the NFL Players Association because they don't feel they are being represented in these uh, collective bargaining agreements going on right now in the NFL, which I think they make a good case for that. Um, Tip, go ahead and take this away. I said from the very beginning, if you guys remember, when this whole NFL thing started, the players should make the major point about taking care of their retired players and make their pensions and their health care the number one issue for themselves and these former players. And shame on them if they didn't even do this for these former players. Now, the NFL is never taking care of their former players. No, I totally agree. I mean, the NFL, the, the players' contract, now the NFL's contract with the players right now is set up to screw the former players. That is why it's in place, so they don't have to take care of these players. And it, if there's any sport out there that basically just throws out the trash after a couple of years, it is the NFL. These the big stars make the big bucks, but these linebacker, linebackers and defensive line guys who make the actual plays out there and who don't make the money are the ones who end up getting screwed. These guys are 26 years old and they can't walk anymore, and the NFL does nothing about Squirrel? You know, I, I, maybe I'm just a little... I'm, I'm going to take the uh, kind of the, the jerk role today. Um, I know, like I do every day. Um, but... It's not like I disagree with anything Nicholas and Tip just said. I actually agree with everything they just said. I just, I'm getting so tired of hearing these millionaires complain about this. I'm t- so tired of this lockout crap, and I really just wish they'd figure it out. Are they taking good care of them? Probably not, but come on. People know what you're getting into when you're playing football, everybody. Okay? Yeah, it's a brutal sport. I'm sorry. That's it. I mean, I just... I know that's that's the jerk role to take, but I mean, I'm just I'm getting tired of hearing about all these poor football players. All right, um, Ligless, this should be uh, interesting to you. Uh, what can ESPN do for uh, for Wimbledon? They did 
pick up the TV rights for next year. They took it away from NBC. Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing with uh, with ESPN taking over uh, the television rights in the United States? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that it really does that much. Uh, I, I, the only thing I like that ESPN does is their tennis coverage, so I'm actually happy about it. Um, it's nice. I mean, I like having stuff on the networks just because then no matter what, you can watch it anywhere, but... With this, is I think it's fine. ESPN will probably do a better job just because uh, they, they that, that's all they do. That's all they do for advertising. But it was kind of a sad day. NBC won't have it. Uh, breakfast at Wimbledon. Go ahead, Chip. You know, I, I love breakfast at Wimbledon. Uh, it's always been a big thing in our house. Um, but ESPN does an absolutely exceptional job with the Australian Open. So my hope is they keep some traditions. And I think ESPN, as much criticism as they get, uh, they, they, they're pretty good about traditions. And uh, I think, actually, they're going to do a really good job with Wimbledon. And hopefully they'll keep John McEnroe. Uh, Squirrel? Um, yeah, I think, they're, I think they, do it, they do it well. I, think, I don't think ESPN owes tennis anything and always Wimbledon anything and but at the you know with that being said I I think they do a great job I don't think they need to change a whole lot I think they give the sport the coverage it deserves and that's really about it you know we have so many networks now I don't, I don't really think you need to worry about not seeing your favorite sport somewhere out on the you know being covered somewhere all right and is the MLB All-Star Game worth watching? Squirrel, go ahead and take this one away. Yeah, I love the MLB All-Star Game. It's my favorite All-Star Game to watch. I think it's the one sport where, uh, you know, people can kind of, you know, it's not as much of a contact sport as some of the others. I think they play. I mean, All-Star Games are supposed to be fun. They're always just going to be fun. You're never going to see the same intensity that you see, you know, in a in a playoff game or even in a regular season game, but it's just cool to see all those players playing together. With that being said, I think sometimes people get disappointed with all-star games because those players don't play with each other all the time, and they're not teams. They're just individuals. Go ahead, Nicholas. Yeah. I love the all-star game. That's pretty much it. Despite (laughs) the stupidity of Bud Seeling, I think Seeling, I think it's great. It's absolutely worth watching. I, you know, as much as I think the voting's flawed and all that, it, you know, it is. This truly is the fans' game, and uh, you know, if they got a guy they want, you know, if they want to see Derek Jeter play, even though he's having an off season, you know what? They're paying for they're paying for it. Let them see him. And uh, there's, they're, you know, they want to see careers too. They're not just looking for the the year someone's having. So no, it's absolutely worth watching. It's fun, and the players enjoy it. And it's, uh, it's by far the best All-Star game. To me, it's really the only All-Star game. And does anybody have a last call? Yes, I do. Go ahead, Tip. My last call is the salary cap issue that I've been uh, railing against for years. And my only point on this is for when the salary cap didn't exist and all you heard about was only certain teams could buy a championship which is absolutely untrue. You name me the three or four teams that buy a championship, and I will name you 15 to 20 that spent as much money or maybe a little less and were terrible because they don't know how to run a franchise. Anybody else have a last call? I just want to make a quick comment and just say it is wonderful to live in a city 
uh, like Detroit that has the Red Wings that doesn't make the panicky choices. That, it, like you said, that you had a, Ken Holland as badass. It's great to live here where I it, that thought never crossed my mind that he would do something like that. It's awesome that I just know that it's a guarantee that they're going to do the right thing. It's it's just awesome. It's it's nice to have that sort of franchise here. It's great to have the New York Yankees in the city. <laughs> Skull, do you have a last call? I don't. No, I really like what both uh, Tip and Lifeless had to say, though, this week. It was really cool. Um, one quick thing for me, and this goes back to that Casey Anthony trial. I know it's uh, I know it's a little um, it's not sports related, but I don't know. It's just Tip. I like what you said earlier that you know an innocence verdict, not in, guilty verdict, or not guilty verdict. I mean, doesn't mean you're innocent. Um, Two absolutely separate. Things. Absolutely, and it's uh, it. <laughs> You look at a lot of the things with this case. I, I I don't watch a ton of it, but there's certain things you take out of it that okay, if she was guilty for lying to the cops, you know, if she was truly innocent, why would she have to lie to the cops? You know, and you know, you go on. You, they it doesn't mean she's guilty of first degree murder though either. I, yes, it but it means that maybe she. But she also wasn't convicted of manslaughter either. No, she wasn't. She and, wasn't even convicted of child abuse. No, and. And you get a parent. I know, Squirrel, you're a parent. Mm -hmm. Tip, you're a parent. If your child was missing for 30 days. 30 seconds, I'd lose my mind. Yeah, and you you don't report anything to the authorities. And she didn't even report it to the authorities. It was her her parents that ended up reporting it to the police. Mm -hmm. I mean, even with that, and you see those pictures of her going around and... um, you know, just partying and getting tattoos and, you know, during this time when she should be worried sick about her daughter missing. Whose, whose dead body is in her trunk. I mean, she supposedly doesn't know this, mm-hmm. but while <laughs> while she's doing all this, her daughter's body is in the trunk. Yeah, it's it's just, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling that this is, you know, that a jury could come to this verdict. And it seems like they came to this verdict based off what... Uh, the demeanor that the prosecutor had, he, he seemed cocky and, well, and my, overconfident, my, exactly. which, is, which in this yeah. case, you shouldn't, you shouldn't relate it to that. You shouldn't relate it to the way that the prosecutor conducts himself. But the prosecutor should know that. Yes, he should. He that's, should. That's the problem. And, and, you know, I didn't follow this case that close. I don't usually do that. But generally in a case like this, to me, the prosecutor drops the ball. I'm sorry. They had to. Yep, and who knows? I mean, it's uh, it's unfortunate, and like I said, it's um, is that the truth? I mean, I mean, this may be some people may be a, take, a little taken back by this, but good-looking girl up on the stands, you know, in trouble with the law. Would this would the same thing happened if this was a uh, if this was anybody else? If this was a two hundred fifty pound uh... black guy? You know, accused of, uh, and I hate, and I hate, and I hate putting race into this like that because, you know, I think, uh, I think the reverse uh, racism goes a little bit too far in this country as well. But I think in this case, and you see it all the time, as far as, uh, as far as, as far as females abusing, uh, abusing young, young boys. I mean, if that, if it's like that, then it's, it seems like it's more accepted. Where if it was a guy abusing, you know. And I'm not saying this is right by any means. I think it's absolutely terrible. But if it was the other way around, it's more frowned upon, you know? I mean, it's just, it, it's, 
It, Chances are they right. wouldn't have had even a chance of getting off. Absolutely. With that said, though, we're going to go ahead and end this week's episode of The Majors Live. Uh, make sure you stay tuned next week, same time, 8 o'clock. 30 p.m. Eastern Time right here on the Majors.net. Make sure you stay tuned for extra innings coming up next starring uh, Lickless and Squirrel. Well, they will be uh, discussing a little bit about this, sh- this show and um, ask the question, should the MLB All-Star Game still determine home field advantage in the World Series? Other than that, make sure you stay tuned for Grouty Radio coming up tomorrow night, 8 o'clock p.m. Choose your side, Team Cini, Team Bex, based off what happens tomorrow night. I could say right now I'm leaning a little bit towards Team Bex, but I've got to see what happens tomorrow night. Other than that, though. Yeah, I don't know uh, how you couldn't. (laughs) Other than that, um, we'll see everybody next week. Have a good night.